Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to Caged Gym Presents Copla Connections, as ever brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsilavus. If you're new to this here podcast, what we do here is we watch every single film in the collective Coppola family filmography to determine are they the greatest film family of all time. You join us for episode 61 and the film under the microscope this week is Michael Bay's 2001 war drama, Pearl harbor and joining me for this chat is alice boyd leslie but more on her shortly as ever with this podcast we will be spoiling this film so if you haven't seen it i believe you can head on over to disney plus right now and watch it at your leisure i'm not sure where that translates elsewhere maybe hulu maybe disney plus don't know what it's like in the states i don't know what the license agreements are but it's a pretty easy film to find so yeah we'll be spoiling everything about this film and this one is a lot of fun we get into porn parodies we get into alternate versions of this film and we get into um the real love story of it and it was an absolute blast to have this chat with alice but be sure to stick around for the end where we get a nice little spicy take from alice about the big daddy himself francis ford coppola this one is a lot of fun with all of that out of the way all that's left to do is to cuckold your best mate Really underserve one of your only real historical characters and blow shit up in only a way that Michael Bay can as we make some Copa connections with Pearl Harbor. We're taken to the skies this week as we look at the 2001 war drama Pearl Harbor, directed by Michael Bay and written by Randall Wallace. The film stars Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett, Kate Beckinsale, Cuba Gooding Jr., Tom Sizemore and John Voigt. So if I'm jumping into a plane this week and heading into battle, 
<laughs> I feel like I'm going to need somebody to be watching my wings. So to help me decide if this film is a triumph or a misfire, and to see if it proves that the Coppola's are the greatest film family of all time, somebody who's used to horror movies instead of the horrors of war. It's one third of the Drunken Horror Podcast. Alice Boyd-Leslie. How are you, Alice? Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, yeah, Excited you, to jump on my plane. <laughs> yeah, for, for like, after a three-hour-long movie, do you feel like you have you have gone through war? Not to besmirch, obviously, people who go through such horrific events, but, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> how, how are you feeling after the three hours of Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor? Um, yeah, I definitely feel like I went, went through a war a little bit. Um, it was... It was very long. Um, needlessly, I might say, in some cases. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, definitely. I will assure you guys uh, listening at home that this podcast will be as brief as we can make it because we don't want to then obviously talk about the ridiculous length of this movie and then talk the same amount on, on this film uh, because there's not even that much to fill three hours of a movie so there wouldn't be enough to fill i don't know well the sexual tension between ben affleck and josh hartnett i think i could talk for, for oh, three yeah. hours but uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get to that um yeah before we get going obviously yeah i mentioned you host the drunken horror podcast tell, tell the listeners what, what that podcast is what do you guys do over there uh, so we basically uh, have a movie to discuss each episode. Uh, we sometimes have a guest on, sometimes just us three, and we have a drink of choice each, and then we just chat about the movie, very similar to what you do, really. Um, and we try to fit a drink kind of themed around the movie that mm -hmm. uh, we've chosen, but sometimes that doesn't work, and sometimes life just gets in the way and you can't be clever. Um, <laughs> and so you're just like, I'll just grab a whatever I've got in the cupboard. Um, but we kind of, we want to keep it nice and chill and good vibes, and it's like when you're at the pub with mates and you're chatting about movies. Yeah, I, I did a series on this podcast last year to discuss the offer, the TV series about the making of The Godfather, and we decided, me and my kind of co-host for that, we were like, we'll drink a, a, a themed bottle of wine every episode to kind of fit and try and like link it to the episode. So there was an episode, they go to Sicily. We were like, hey, let's have like, a, <laughs> let's get a bottle of wine from uh, Sicily. Or like, we, we, we just did themed weeks. It's like it's sangria week. Because I think we were recording during like the, the <laughs> yeah. hottest summer we've ever had. So like, we've just got to have some sweet relief for ourselves. But yeah, I think boozing and podcasting can can resort in some of the best podcasts ever or some of the most like i don't know, uh tiresome in the fact that you're gonna have to edit a lot out how, yeah how does that yeah. work for you guys is, does, does the booze add to, to more edit time or is it kind of just free you guys up um i do hardly any editing really <laughs> i just basically take out if there's a bit too many ums and then i just let the chaos just ensue it's Amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's hard not to let my i'm the kind of the controller between the two uh my two co-hosts they i just let them run free and i try to just like put them back together and um, <laughs> so uh yeah well, there's there's been some episodes where some of us have gotten very drunk and it's quite noticeable near the end um and there's some where we've been a lot more well behaved so it's uh yeah it's always interesting going back to the edit room yeah <laughs> seeing how drunk we got i think i've like recorded drunk edited drunk and like released it and then kind of like 
never listened again as well. That, that sounds really yeah. bad. Like, I'm just always drunk. I just think I just all did it all in the same night. I was just like, let's get this out like a little goblin. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> wake, wake up with the shame tomorrow once it's out there and Twitter ablaze, my Twitter mentions ablaze with people going like, did you mean to say that on the podcast? Like, you, just, you just went yeah. off talking about something unrelated to Los- yeah. Uh, yeah, to leaving Las Vegas. Well, that's, that's what I do. It's fine. It's <laughs> uh, all good. So obviously you're here, yeah, to talk about uh, Copla Connections movie. And one of the questions we always ask at the beginning of this is, when did you become aware of the Copla family? So was there like a, an entry point, like person? And But then when did you kind of figure out there's kind of like this sprawling network of yeah family members who have kind of got their fingers in all of the cinematic pies they possibly can yeah i mean i think it was probably so i studied film uh at college and at university so it was probably around then i was probably about 16 when i watched my first coppola film um and then it was kind of from then like i've i've studied some uh couple of movies or an essays about them and um, the same with Sophia Coppola as well but I didn't realize how massive the uh, <laughs> family tree is until you sent it to me and I was like what is going on here yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's crazy um so yeah that's kind of it kind of started from a kind of mid-teens really yeah and obviously like the 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 Coppola connection for this film is John Schwartzman who I guess some people could think is tenuous because he is jason and robert schwartzman's half brother like from a marriage previous to talia shire so but nicholas cage once said in an interview like he referred to him as my cousin because he was the cinematographer on the rock so i'm like i'm taking that he if he's probably been invited to christmas dinners like he's 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 a part of the clan right (laughs) 100 percent, yeah So what 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 films have have you written these essays on? I'd I'd be interested in like what kind of subject matters were you kind of looking um, into? Oh, well, I have to <laughs> dig the bank a li- the memory bank a little bit for what subject matters, but I remember having to write an essay on the conversation, oh, um, and that was I really didn't like that film, so that was very <laughs> difficult. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it since I had to watch it like two or three times to write this mm. essay um, at uni, I think. It's, so maybe like now, in the, like in my 30s, I might enjoy it, but I really didn't like it when I first, <laughs> first I, saw it. <laughs> I, I always think, I'm not sure if you're a fan of Brian De Palma's Blowout, but that's kind of like the, the more like, I don't know, sleazy version of the conversation. It's like, let's kind of yeah. do it, but like, let's throw in this kind of thriller, like almost like sub- horror plot of like a, a yeah like a murderer as well as, as opposed Definitely. to just like this brooding tension of a, of a of a man who like once killed somebody on a job or like let somebody die and like kind of what's, yeah yeah his mind unraveling yeah, yeah I, I, I get i get it i get it i totally get it yeah definitely and then um the virgin suicides as well i think i think i was probably at college or something when i had to do something with that again i can't remember because it's you know a very very long time ago now unfortunately <laughs> um but yeah and then i know obviously yeah i've seen the godfather and all of that and apocalypse now um i think i watched actually must have watched apocalypse now it during gcse because i studied the vietnam war and we watched platoon and then i was like i want to watch other like vietnam based movies and then i watched apocalypse now and i was like what the heck is this <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, kind of more just like like a, a meditation on madness than it is. I guess, I guess that, that that plays into the Vietnam War. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always love there's a quote from Francis Ford Coppola at Cannes when he was like premiering that film and it's like, this film isn't about Vietnam. This film is Vietnam. We went into the jungle, too much money, like too, like too many of us, and we lost our minds as we went on. I was like, the guy fucking went, he went method directed on a, on a, yeah, on a yeah. movie. I love it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess it, I guess it, it captures Vietnam in spirit, right. As opposed to like portraying what it might have actually been like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So you've written about the Coplas. Have you ever met a Copla? We, we never know. There's so many of them. I always have to ask my guests if they've ever met one. I wish I had, but no, I, I haven't. I've met very boring celebrities. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure uh, they're not boring to someone. There's always, always. Well, yeah, there. exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I've ne never met one. Uh, maybe one day, maybe drunken horror will uh, lead me to meet in a copula somehow. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. That's the dream. That's the dream. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think the best answer I've ever had for that as well is somebody said, well, I, just, I saw Phantom Planet once when Jason Schwartzman was the drummer. I was like, yeah, I'm having it. I'm having it. You, yeah. you breathed air. You breathed his sweaty drummer air. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. What a throwback as well. <laughs> Co-writer of the absolute banger California as well. So yeah, exactly. Not only is he kind of dining out on Wes Anderson money, he's dining out on the royalties every time that the OC gets replayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a life. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, John Schwartzman is a, is a weird one because his name probably won't be bannered around on a film. But what would have been the first, yeah, John Schwartzman film you would have potentially have seen, uh, Alice? Uh, it was almost definitely Armageddon, I think. Um, <sighs> I watched that film so much when I was younger. <laughs> and this movie reminded me so much yes. of Armageddon, <laughs> the which I'm sure we'll get into. There are just so many similarities in how it's shot. Um, and certain moments as well. I'm like, this is just Armageddon, but on Earth, like, what is going on? <laughs> I won't say which is which, but like, I will say about Armageddon, this film being very similar. There's one of them that I love, and there's one of them that I do not love. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing, yeah, Armageddon. Ah, uh, what a what an interesting film. And obviously, the first time that Ben Affleck worked with Michael Bay. Uh, yeah, and for, yeah. for the longest time, because this was my first time watching Pearl Harbor as well. Uh, as yourself, you'd said to me, like, off, yeah, off air, like, this is the first time you've ever watched this film. I, <laughs> I, for the longest time, just assumed that it was Liv Tyler in the Kate Beckinsale role. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was saying the exact same thing to my partner as well. I was like, there's so many similarities. I was like, even Evelyn looks like Liv Tyler. And we're like, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> Amazing. Well, yeah, let's jump in and talk about Pearl Harbor. How long is America going to pretend the world is not at war? From Berlin, Rome, and Tokyo, we have been described as a nation of weaklings and playboys who hire British or Russian or Chinese soldiers to do our fighting for us. I'm going to the war. 
Just make sure and come back for the both of us, all right? We've been trained to think that we're invincible. But our people think Hitler and his Nazi thugs are Europe's problem. Does anyone think that victory is possible without facing danger? Warning of Japanese aggressive movement. December 7th. 1941, a date which will live in infamy. So this film was made on a budget of $140 million and made a box office return of $450.2 million. It was released on May 21st in Pearl Harbor, uh, must I stress, before a <laughs> wide release statewide on the 25th of May 2001. The film was nominated for four Academy Awards, one of which it won, and it was nominated for six Golden Raspberries. And fortunately for Michael Bay and company, it lost all of its categories. <laughs> so, Alice, could you do us the pleasure of telling us what Pearl Harbor is all about? <laughs> well, you might not have guessed from uh, the title of the film, it's set during World War II and follows the story of two lifelong best friends. Rafe and Danny, they're played by Ben Affleck and Josh Hartner, and they both become Army Air Corps pilots, and um, Rafe meets a Navy nurse called Evelyn, uh, not played by Liv Tyler, <laughs> and um, they have a sudden whirlwind romance and fall in love almost instantly. Um, soon after that, Rafe is asked to, uh, asks and accepts to go to England to help fight the war. Um, and which results in him getting gunned down and presumed dead. Go all the way back to the US and the aftermath of Rafe's death leads Danny and Evelyn to find comfort in each other and eventually start a relationship, resulting in Evelyn to fall pregnant. Then Rafe comes back from the dead. They have a little fight with, with Danny um, and then Pearl Harbor happens. Few yes. loads of Michael Bay explosions. <laughs> <laughs> and from the aftermath of Pearl Harbor, Rafe and Danny are sent on a top secret mission uh, to get revenge on the Japanese, which ultimately results in Danny dying, saving Rafe. And then Rafe and Evelyn live happily ever, ever after and predictably call Evelyn's child Danny. Yes, it, it is. It is. It is a smorgasbord of. <laughs> 
I, th- I think one of the films to blame for this, and I'm not sure if you agree with me here, is Titanic. I think Titanic's got a lot to answer for for this movie. What, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you think yeah. of that? <laughs> I never thought of that, but yes, 100%. <laughs> it's 100%. It's the, it's the Titanification, and I'm, I'm, I'm coining that word uh, mm-hmm. right now, of kind of a historical event because they they obviously, Michael Bay would have sat down and gone, do you know what's really great about Titanic? is it's got this horrific thing that happened in history but we just follow this this whirlwind romance like what can be better than that a kind of weird thruple where one of them thinks that the other is dead and in yeah in the comfort of of kind of grieving partner slash and best friend they find love and he's not dead after all and then (laughs) then we get to the key event of the the titular moment of this film and there's an hour or so left of the movie. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think we like we paused it just after like Pearl Harbor happened, and there was all the kind of like funeral stuff, just to go and get some snacks or something. And I was like, there is still fifty minutes left. I was like, yeah. what else can happen? I feel like it's ended about three times. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got that. It's got that Return of the King thing, isn't it? Of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's time to get out. You see, oh no, 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 no it's definitely not. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not yet. <laughs> so what were kind of like your well, well let, let, let's kind of go back i, I want to know obviously this film came out in 2001 who were you in 2001 to not have seen this like what 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 what, what why why do you think at the time you might not have seen this film alice yeah well i am actually so surprised that i never saw this film back in its day because this is the kind of movie that i would have 100 percent watched with my dad um, cause we just, we watch these kinds of action films. Um, and I, I have no idea why I've, it took until now to watch it. Like, I can't, I can't even answer that question for you because it's like, it's one of those films that I would have probably watched time and time again back in 2001. Mm. And and it's the kind of film as well that I imagine like, well, yeah, I, I know for certain would have had hard rotation on like one of the ITV channels. Yeah, UK, yeah, right? like, always on ITV too. Well, yeah, definitely. I, when <laughs> when googling this film last night again, it kind of like Google gives you like when the listings are on TV, and it's like this film was like multiple listings on TV, and I was like, <laughs> that's crazy because obviously that's for, like yeah. the next week or so. I was like. This is just always on, I'm guessing. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe it. Like it took me so so long to watch it. Um yeah, I'm kind of glad that I did. Um but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I well, well what's your kind of relationship with Michael Bay? Because I'm kind of like this I go in and out of love with him. Like, do you know what I mean? There's certain mm-hmm. stuff of his where I'm like, oh, he is the devil. Do you know what I mean? He's this misogynist, <laughs> jingoistic asshole. And then yeah. he releases a film like cue, cue the cue the siren here because I've mentioned this so many times on this podcast. Uh, releases Ambulance, and I absolutely adore that film and what he did with it. It's yeah. kind of like, and and I think this film and it's it's interesting because obviously the the James Cameron kind of like mirroring. I always look at uh, I always look at Michael Bay as the kind of Wario to James Cameron's Mario. And like, I think <laughs> yeah. this film is like the ultimate kind of like justification of that statement, right? Of like, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to take what you do and then do it all wrong. I'm going to like, kind <laughs> yeah. of like pay yeah. no respect to the people <laughs> who are harmed in this. I just kind of like go all guns blazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I like, 
Yeah, Michael Bay, he makes some questionable movies, mm-hmm. but then also they are good, like, you know, quote unquote popcorn movies. And they're good things to just like watch with your family. Most of the time, they're good for the whole family, like, like with Pearl Harbor. The whole family is going to love this. Like your mom's <laughs> going to love it because there's a romance in it. Your dad's going to love it because there's explosions. Like it's like, if we're being stereotypical here on what, you know. What your nan's going to love it because there's some racism. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, oh, like, all generations are going to love it. <laughs> there's like, yeah. like there's a, your little brother's going like, to go, There's a goofy one, do you know what I mean, who can't propose. Like you and Bremner stumbling, <laughs> bumbling all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that is Michael Bay is like old school four quadrant cinema. Do you know what I mean? Like now yeah. it's, I, I guess this would have been the nineties equivalent of like superhero movies, right? It's just these mm-hmm. kind of like big action movies that, yeah. What is this? Like a, a 12 in the UK. So like a PG 13 yeah. in the US. So anyone can really watch it. Um, yeah. So what were your kind of initial thoughts watching this film? I mean, I thought it was fine. Um, it's like, like we've said, it went on for far too long. Uh, there's so much that could have got missed out um, or cut out. But I, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I, I did quite enjoy. It. I gave it two stars on Letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you know, it wasn't. It's not the greatest film ever. Mm-hmm. by by any means but um you know it's like i said it's a fun you just want to have something on that you can just laugh at how ridiculous it is and eat a bunch of popcorn and like maybe go on your phone a little bit you probably haven't missed a whole bunch mm-hmm. um and just have something on in the background and i think it's it's perfect for that um it was probably really great to see in the cinema yeah in the in like the early 2000s yeah. um I can imagine. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, like I probably watched this in the, the worst conditions. Michael Bay would probably be like, I don't know, wringing his hands at the way I watch this. So I watched this in like multiple sittings, like kind of okay. partly on my TV, partly on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> partly on like my, 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 like a tiny little TV I have that I use as a second screen. It, it, where I'm recording the podcast so like it's kind of like yeah I watched it in chunks I think I, I think I passed them out in like good little chunks it's kind of like yeah Danny's gone off to England have a little break uh, 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 Rafe's gone <laughs> off to England have a little break yeah get up to the end of Pearl Harbor have a little break and then kind of <laughs> watch the rest so like, like kind of like three hour chunks or like yeah just yeah under. <laughs> i think it's, it's a good way to do it like that as well like i think it's one of those films that you can pause and come back to i very nearly did the same i watched it last night and i started watching it at about half eight and then i and then it got to like 11 and i was like oh it's like already past my bedtime mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's still so much left to go like should i watch the rest tomorrow um but i didn't and i start i stuck through it um but yeah it's one of those films that you can totally do in, in bits um and i'm not judging you for watching it on your phone or anything because oh, well, sometimes I, 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 think, I do the same as well <laughs> i think the worst part about it is i at one point was watching it you know, because it's on Disney Plus, so I could watch it whilst being on other apps. It just kind yeah. of does like a little, 
like little pop up on the thingy. So I was like kind of scrolling through Twitter, replying to some stuff or like do, doing, I think I was doing the tweet where I was like, hey, we're watching this tonight. And I've got Pearl Harbor. If I'd screenshotted my screen at the moment, it's like tweeting, asking what people's thoughts are about the film. And I'm watching the film in the tiniest little like, <laughs> box ever. Yeah. And it was, yeah. It, 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 it was fine. I love that though. Like, I, I'm so happy for that little pop up screen because it just <laughs> makes my life so much easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When apps don't offer it, I'm like, you fucking charlatan. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, how, how, how dare, dare you? you? I need to be on Twitter constantly. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, 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 where do you want to kind of like dive into this film? Because there, there is some kind of, as much as we said, it is kind of popcorn fluff and fun obviously it's a, one it's a very serious topic for the film obviously it's a, it's a it's a massive tragedy but then there is there are weird things to kind of delve into here and i i, I don't know i'll throw this out should, should we start with the relation the relationship stuff because i feel like that is the film thinks that's important yeah. I don't, how do you feel? Do you feel like the relationship stuff's important? I'm kind of, I, I, I don't know. I've got a theory of how how we could make this film better, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you go okay, first. Okay, okay. I mean, well, yeah, let me go first. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, it's not. I think if you're going to make a movie called Pearl Harbor, it's got to be predominantly about Pearl Harbor, right? And it's not at all. It's just kind of shoehorned in mm -hmm. to create this love story, um, kind of. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like I, I got quite attached to the, actually the only love story that I got really attached to and I got really upset about was Red and Betty's relationship. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was like, I know that like one of them is going to die and it's going to break my heart. And I like, and you know, with Betty dying, I did, I did actually like start to well up a bit. I was like, oh. Like, why, why are the others surviving? Like, I don't care about them. Like, I was want Red and Betty to get married mm -hmm. and have like 10,000 children and just live <laughs> their best lives. Like, <laughs> and we had to deal with, you know, Ben Affleck. And, and it was just so predictable as well. I think mm -hmm. that like, we got like an hour in and I was like, right, so... Like when you when you when Danny and Evelyn started getting together, I was like, well, this isn't going to end up right, is it? Like, you know, Rafe Rafe comes back, and then Danny saves Rafe, and then they call the kid Danny at the end, mm -hmm. and then that was what happens. And he was like, oh well, there you go. <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> when, when did you call that she was pregnant as well? Because I think like there's a moment, and they really like the writing on it, and the, the acting as well. It's like. What are you doing in there, Evelyn? You've been in the toilet for ages. And it's like, really? Are we doing this? Like, like yeah. she might as well just be coming out going like, like wiping vomit off of her face. Like, like come on. I, that moment I kind of like put down my nose, she's pregnant. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exactly it. And her walking out just like, you know, hand over the mouth. And he was like, oh, okay. So she's pregnant. And then this is what's going to happen. Like, and, you know, it did um I, but, you know it's it's fine <laughs> well yeah yeah obviously rafe, rafe essentially gets cucked right that's that's the kind of like that's the <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's the crux of it and then, and then he gets he gets uncucked because his friend gets killed like what a kind of I, I i since watching the film i just keep thinking about the kind of i don't know the the how weird all of that is do you know what i mean like yeah i don't know like i 
Yeah, like it just feels really. I don't know. Like, and I think, and yeah, it's kind of this is a point I'd been thinking about in the film. I think because unintentionally, just because obviously the camera, Michael Bay, and obviously the way that yeah, like uh, John Schwartzman is shooting stuff between Danny and Rafe. I'm like, there's like a frisson of something between them. It kind of, it kind of shoots them in a, like a romantic way. Do you know what I mean? Like when they're kind yeah. of arguing and sparring, what I think would have been a far more interesting way of telling this story. And net, like no way on the budget this film was made for would it have, would it have been done was them two being a gay couple. And then mm -hmm. r the same stuff happens. Rafe goes off. But just to, like, conform to the time and, like, what the kind of norms were for them, like, like Danny gets in this relationship with Evelyn. And then you've still got the same, like, kind of, like, tension. He gets her pregnant, but then you've got, like, the same tension coming back, but it's the tension is more so, like, Rafe is annoyed with Evelyn. Like, you stole my man, like, kind yeah. of thing. And then, like, the ultimate, like, I don't know, it'd be, like, a real, like, darker ending at the fact that, like, uh, yeah, like, Rafe's gay lover is killed in battle, so he decides to push down his own, like, homosexuality to raise this child. Like, like yeah. I think that makes this, like, a more meatier film and, like, kind of, like, Definitely. more ballsy, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, that I was kind of thinking, like, is it going to go that way? <laughs> like, because there's some some bits where you're like, there's something going on here. Is this going to get a bit broke back mountain on us? But um, it, like, I mean, I can't. I would never expect Michael Bay to um, go about that movie. He's no, far no, too no. hetero to <laughs> even think about that. <laughs> yeah, to happen. Um, He's all but, testosterone, you know, it, right? He's all testosterone <laughs> explosions, but. Like, He's got, he's got Tom Sizemore in there just to kind of like, like, like there's not enough testosterone in this film. It's like, my fucking action is the juice. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's get Tom Sizemore, like, yeah. a fucking maniac in this as well. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that that sounds like it would be, it would be wonderful, but um, yeah, maybe in like Pearl Harbor 2 or something like that, it would like, it would happen oh, if there's God. ever a remake um, of this movie, which I hope there is never. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, maybe there should be. I'm sure there is probably a dirty movie out there where that does happen. Um, yeah, yeah. We, I might have to uh, Pearl Harbor porn parody. Uh, my, yeah. my, 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 my Google search history is just about to get fucked, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's got to be. I'd be so surprised if there isn't. Uh, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, there is, there is, there is Pearl Harbor porn. Yeah, it comes up. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I, I don't want to click on any of the links. Uh, That's fair. Because I, I, I feel like some of them might be racist as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, there is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, yeah, 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 yeah. You can, you can imagine some like, oh, some horrific things said for yeah interracial porn. Ah, oh, uh, sorry, I'm derailing this podcast and kind of uh, giving into it. So I'm bringing it down already. Yeah, I'm I love sorry. it. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, like, what, like, on, on like a filmmaking standpoint, like, what do you think of the way that 
Michael Bay and like John Schwartzman shoot the kind of romantic scenes between 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 the kind of the two different couples because obviously we have that sequence. I think it's like quite. I don't know. Yeah, uh, there's that sequence at the beginning when there's the burgeoning romance between Rafe and Evelyn, where they kind mm-hmm. of go on this little date to like go up the side of a ship and stuff like that. And there's that shot where they kind of walking the streets and there's kind of like sparks like literal sparks flying as if we're not like, <laughs> yeah. as, if, as if as an audience are like oh yeah here we <laughs> fucking go like, but uh, yeah what do you think and then there's the other sequence where um danny and evelyn kind of go out in the in the plane and kind of like end up in the what is it parachute shed or something like that like, yeah yeah and like well that's one thing that was one similarity with armageddon is that there's always like there's the air hanger like sex scene that mm. also kind of happens in um in armageddon as well so like um i mean it's interesting because like danny and evelyn's like scenes they seem a little bit more romantic uh-huh. I found, um, and I was a little bit more like, I can kind of believe their relationship a little bit as it was kind of going on. I felt a little bit with Rafe and Evelyn. It was just, this is just like, they've they've known each other for 30 seconds and suddenly like they're in love with each other. Um, and, you know, with the, with the sparks, literal sparks flying, <laughs> um, which is also another thing that happens in Armageddon as well. I think they must just like mm-hmm. have a little like cut out of like, this is how romance scene should look like. That's, <laughs> like, that, that's built into a Michael Bay budget. It's like, we, yeah, we've got a guy grinding, like grinding an axe grinder on some metal at all times. Like we've got to have yeah, that shot, yeah. mate, ladies and gentlemen. Like, yeah. <laughs> and where's my grinder guy? Like he's yeah. getting here for this scene. Like, <laughs> Oh no, that's for that's for the that's for the Pearl Harbor remake, the grinder guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll always link it back to porn somehow. <laughs> uh, what 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 are the things that, that I, I did like about the kind of romance stuff is that story that Evelyn tells of meeting Rafe. And I think it like, what it does well is it captures that sometimes when you're when you do kind of fancy someone, you act like an absolute idiot in the way that, uh, like Rafe does, where he's kind of like, yeah. he's got all this brash bravado, but then that's really broken down really quickly when he kind of like, he ends up fainting and like, or like yeah. Yeah, getting knocked out. And then <laughs> that scene with the champagne bottle, which I think like is quite a tender and like funny moment in the film. And it's like, with that stuff, I was like, I don't know where this film is going to go. I have, I have very strong suspicions and it did go to all those places, but I was like, oh, this could be, this could be sweet. Like the, it could do the Titanic. It could have at that point, it's like, this could go the full Titanic. Like, yeah, this could end with the events of Pearl Harbor and it'd be like quite a tragic ending. Whereas it kind of went, oh no, we can't end with that. Cause that's the, that's <laughs> the Americans losing. We, <laughs> we have to get to a point where it's like, we're we're fucking up the Japanese. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> in like any kind of American war movie, and then like never in the wrong, and they were always they saved us, um, and you know all of that stuff. <laughs> it just always makes me laugh in these kinds of movies. What did you think of the portrayal of uh, the British troops in this as well? When we get those brief scenes of Rafe in in, in the UK. I guess I guess it's probably filmed in like I don't know 
New England, like Jeremy, somewhere somewhere a bit colder in the US. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one location. I mean, it was it was a hundred percent stereotypical. Like no surprises really from me. Um, sitting in a pub, drinking outside, and mm. the old you know jolly old chap and a good old like tap on the back and you know get on with it um. yeah he's like an angry scottish man as well yeah, like, oh, yeah come yeah. on come on Rafe, you got to do this like, oh, like, wow, like all right the ticket ticking off those stuff and like that 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 whole kind of plot beat is basically a living embodiment of what what, what you said about like it was the Americans who helped us. We were so, they're like the British were so fucked. It's like we had to, yeah, we had to, we had to ship in their best guys, like to help us out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like we probably would have done all right without you, but you know, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was just every kind of stereotype of everyone around the UK that they could kind of shoehorn in, which um, you just kind of get used to now with these kinds of movies. Um, it's like it's no surprise that. We're going to have the, you know, the incredibly posh one, the Scott, the, you know, like the Americans wouldn't be able to understand what the hell they're saying. Um, but I guess it would be comical to them. Uh, but, you know, yeah, this is all part of these kinds of movies, right? Like, mm. it's just. It's, yeah, it's it a makes... gristle for the mill, right? Of just like, <laughs> yeah. it all just kind of like, I don't know. And I, and I think where this, <laughs> this is where I, I show my, show my hand of how I feel about Armageddon. I think what Armageddon does right is it just gets like a load of amazing character actors to like mm-hmm. to to inhabit that world. Do you know what I mean? Like if you kind of break down the cast of that movie, like Owen Wilson, like a really interesting point in his career, do you know what I mean, had only yeah. made Bottle Rocket before then. And I love the story that Michael Bay saw Bottle Rocket, like a Wes Anderson movie and went, He's gonna be a he's gonna be a astronaut in my like, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's gonna be a driller in my next movie. Like, <laughs> it kind of kind of makes me feel differently about Michael Bay. Like, okay, maybe he's got like yeah. he's got an indie um, <laughs> yeah, and like Steve Buscemi, you've got like like Bruce, yeah, like, he, he, even Bruce Willis. I know obviously like at that time he's like an he's, he's, he's a massive kind of marquee name, but then who else? Peter Stormare turns up in that like yeah. Yeah, Ian Michael Duncan. Like, there's kind of like just a great kind of like roster of like great talent, like Bill Patton and stuff like that. Whereas, like, yeah. this thrills. I don't know. What do you think of like the casting in this? Obviously, we do have like some familiar faces, like an earlier earlier Michael Shannon role, and I mentioned Tom Sizemore. And I guess someone we yeah. we really need to talk about in this this conversation is Cuba Gooding Jr., who like I'm not sure about you. Before I saw this film. I thought he was in it a lot more than he yeah. is. <laughs> I mean, I I actually had no idea he was in it. Um, but and he plays like quite a big in the terms of Pearl Harbor. He plays like a real life person that existed. Yes, and he just kind of gets like pushed to the side a little bit, and it's like, well, we'll kind of see what he did. Um, like that, you know, deserved his uh, his. Um, medal but no not really and he deserved to have a little bit more if they were going to be like yeah this was the first african-american to win this medal uh at the end to tell us that i'm like what did he do yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, like, yeah. i don't know but until you like look up about it you're like oh okay so he was he did that okay cool that makes that makes sense well, yeah. um 
he was like he like so we get we get what maybe like two key scenes with him we get him introduced mm-hmm. for a boxing match and then he ends up going to evelyn like yeah e- e- evelyn's kind of doing some some work on him right at, at the hospital and then that yeah. kind of goes straight into it's almost like just kind of like oh we need like at that moment i was like is this just a weird bridge into another scene between like danny and or is it like rafe and evelyn i can't remember which yeah. one of the two it is and then the, i can't remember which way around it goes with that but <laughs> and then yeah. We, yeah then we get the scene of him on the boat and then it's like that's all we see of him until the end yeah. of the film and it's like yeah. what the fuck is going on here <laughs> Yeah, I kind of felt like we need to have someone who actually, you know, existed during uh, Pearl Harbor, just so there's a a little bit of, you know, real, I say real history, it all all obviously happened, but, you know, it's a kind of character that someone could be like, oh, okay, this person, okay, I know, I know that person, I studied about that person at school or something like that. Um, But just didn't really do it justice at all. It was just all so focused on this relationship that's just all it felt like it's just it's a it's a romance film there's just like a little bit of war that's shoved in yeah (laughs) and it kind of commits one of the like the cardinal sins of films i think of offering you a little slice of a film you could be watching yeah i mean i think with the cubic and junior stuff like that's a really interesting film like of this kind of guy who i would imagine would have been looked down upon within the the navy and stuff like that kind of as we see like when he when he takes up the gun like on the ship and stuff like that he doesn't look like he's even been trained to do that he kind of like you get the impression i'm not sure if he like works in like he's a cook or do you know what I mean he kind of like yeah he he's he's not one of like the top guys on or do you know what I mean yeah he's not one of the kind of go-to guys and like even he looks scared taking up that gun and it's like wouldn't that have been a great movie of just seeing that guy and like kind of being throughout the movie like either yeah like on that boat a lot more and kind of like how terrifying that would have been because like it's only we only get so much time kind of with the boat stuff where it's like oh no 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 we got to get back to danny and rafe sleeping in a car after they've kind of <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? yeah, obviously, exactly. obviously fucked after they made up. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, and one of the things with that, with that whole like when Pearl Harbor actually happens, like, um, when I was kind of reading up about this film, reading about trivia, is that the whole the whole hospital scene where the Japanese bombed the hospital, like, didn't actually happen. Um, and you know that caused a lot of uproar with um like veterans and people who knew about i like, had like studied pearl harbor and stuff because it was like uh, apparently like the japanese were given strict orders to to not bomb any civilians or attack any c- civilians and that michael bay just kind of did that just because it, he thought it would be you know a little bit better and it's like Mm-mm. It's a way to, that? yeah. It's a way to give some jeopardy to Evelyn, and 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 it obviously serves the story beat because we don't like Betty doesn't die if that doesn't happen without getting kind of yeah. like caught in the shrapnel or do you know what I mean like yeah kind of being in the blast radius of a bomb and it's like I still and there is like there is a kind of I don't know there is an element of stuff 
that happens and way things are handled of, of like racism within this film i, I find yeah. like as we said about the cuba Gooding jr kind of like sidelining that real life character for two, like for the focus on two fictional characters feels yeah. massively racist and then kind of like the portrayal of the japanese do you know what i mean like this is 2001 and they're still using kind of like i and i guess i don't know I do respect the film for the fact that, like, and, and it's the way I don't respect, like, a lot of modern stuff. Like, you watch, like, Stranger Things, for instance, and it's like, these kids don't talk like it's the 1980s. Otherwise, we'd be hearing <laughs> homophobic slurs. We'd be hearing, like, all kinds of slurs, and we'd, everyone would be smoking. Whereas in this, yeah. we do get, like, that portrayal of how they would have spoke. The only thing is, when they say it, they're kind of saying it like with the audience being like, yeah, yeah, you like this word too. You like this kind of, do you know what I mean? Shortened down yeah, version of Japanese like slur. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're all in on this together. And it's kind of like, oh no, how you should be betraying this is like, America were a little fucked up too. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, weren't, we weren't great. <laughs> like, but whereas it's like, they're kind of like being like, that's cool, isn't it, guys? It's, it's, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Like, it's kind of like, uh, and, uh, yeah, as, uh, yeah. I guess through 2023 eyes, you kind of look at it going, it's not really cool. It's not really cool, yeah. but like, yeah, the way, the way you're doing it, but oh, I do appreciate the kind of, I don't know, using the kind of what, yeah, would have probably well, been said we, at the time. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, and that's always such a, a difficult thing to kind of go down, right? Like, uh, it's is good in a way that kind of you were saying to have that kind of real portrayal of how they were talking, but then also like, is that still needed now? Because I don't know, like you can kind of imagine because it was a 12, 12 year olds and like a little bit younger going to watch it and being like, Oh, maybe I want to play Pearl Harbor and maybe that will be an okay thing for me to yes, say, because exactly. this movie that I watched, they say it all the time. Um, and there's no, there's not even anyone saying like, you know, oh, maybe you shouldn't say that. Cause I presume that that probably happened in the forties. Like, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't believe that everyone was throwing around racial slurs and everyone being like, that's an okay thing to say. And I think it's the, the, the choice as well. Cause I imagine there would have been people referring to Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character by some unfavorable terms. Yet they yeah. leave that out because that's sort of like, even by t 2001 standards, that is kind of not acceptable in a in a 12 rated film. Whereas yeah. like, do you know what I mean? A Japanese racial slur is, and it's kind of like, yeah. oh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it does it does give license to, as you say, like young teenage kids to be. It's not great. <laughs> No, no. So it's it's always like a, a difficult tangent to kind of mm. what how which way do you go? Do you go the way where like this is actually what was said, or do you just say like just not say it at all because it doesn't have any? I don't think it has any like more effect to the movie for them to say these racial slurs. Like it mm -hmm. would be fine if they didn't. Um, and it's, and it's not, you know, it's not fine that they do, but, you know, I, I understand why they were, why they were saying it to kind of show of the times. So it's like, yeah, is there actually any need for it? Mm -hmm. 
What, what other kind of factual inaccuracies did you find when kind of researching or, or was that at the kind of bombing of the hospitals? And that was the only one that I, I knew about. And I did, I did do like Pearl Harbor at school and I, I've forgotten about everything about it. So I can't really do a, a compare from no, my, no. from my knowledge. But um. <laughs> one of the things that I, I had to instantly Google when watching the film was did, did Roosevelt stand up to prove a point? <laughs> yeah. Because I was very, and, I, and what, what I loved about this is that I only had to type in part of that because a lot of people have asked that question. So I, I kind of felt vindicated in the fact that I'm not the only one who was like, oh, to, to prove a point, to be like standing up, and I'm standing as we do this, to just say, don't tell me it's impossible. Like As, as he stands, a man who is wheelchair bound, I was like, is this... This is this has got to be Michael Bay, and yeah, it's Michael Bay. It's not yeah, like course, he, yeah. Roosevelt never stood up. <laughs> the, <laughs> I think the speech he delivers is like a famous, a, a famous speech that he, uh, yeah, that he gave the Day of Infirmary speech that he like okay, that yeah. we see before we kind of go to the war room and they're kind of like, what's the next move? And I'm really ignorant to this, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like re I didn't like kind of look beforehand. And I was like, part of my head was like, is the retaliation to this Hiroshima? I was like, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was like, I was like, I was like, I was, I was waiting for Alec Baldwin's character to be like, you're getting on this plane. It's called Enola Gay, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, Danny, no, like. Yeah. <laughs> No, that is a hundred percent what I was expecting as well. Um, I am glad that they didn't, um, and I can't remember when. Uh, I've heard a bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, oh, go going back to the the standing up of Roosevelt, it did just make me think of Willy Wonka when they like Grandpa Joe's getting out of bed. I was just being like, I've got a golden ticket. <laughs> oh, I love it. They have his little coke nail, the like, the fucking sponge, old Grandpa Joe. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What I always love about that film is like looking back, and obviously the time like, made in the seventies. Like, oh no, 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 Grandpa, you need your you need your smoking tobacco. And it's like, what a dirty prick! He's smoking ciggies in a bed with three other people. I have some, have some respect, Grandpa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh the 70s <laughs> you dirty bastard <laughs> so um yeah Ru roosevelt did not stand up um what what i did love as a kind of small thing that roosevelt had i'm not sure if you you picked up on this the camera does ling linger on it is a pin cushion he has on his desk did you did you pick up on this you didn't pick up on that no it is a pin cushion of hitler bent over with pins <laughs> pointed in his ass, and I was like, "How did I not notice oh, that's this?" Amazing! <laughs> I was like, oh, "Wow!" I was like, yeah, I could, uh, "Reckon you could get?" I don't think you could get one of those now without, like, with it out, like, seeing, like, yeah, you're, you're maybe in favour of Hitler. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, feels like 1941. Yeah. It was like kind of like, "Fuck this guy!" And like, <laughs> kind of think about the logistics as well of like. How you? I don't know. Was that custom made? Was that? Was that? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Was, was, was that? there a factory? Like making this? Yeah. Like, 
And was that a histor- historical accuracy? Did they did um Roosevelt actually have that? Did you Google? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't get. Yeah, Roosevelt. <laughs> did Roosevelt have? Did Roosevelt have a Hitler pincushion? Ladies and gentlemen, you are getting some live googling right now. Hitler <laughs> pincushion. Here we go. Um. Did a little. It doesn't, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I think he did. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think he actually did. <laughs> that is so funny. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, it does exist. There are like... Wow. So, where, as you are listening to this uh, uh, podcast, hit up all the socials, which are at Caged In Pod, and you will see a picture of a Hitler pincushion put underneath the tweet. Or if you're on Instagram, you can scroll across and you can see a Hitler pincushion. I'm not going to put it as like the main picture on Instagram because <laughs> no. that would probably fuck up my algorithm and like maybe get me taken <laughs> down. But like, it's definitely it's definitely going out there. I don't know, maybe I have to put a sensitivity warning. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how things work anymore. No one sees my shit on Twitter anyway, so who fucking knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Elon. <laughs> um, what other points of this film would you like? Do you think we need we need to talk about? Obviously, like casting wise, like what what, what did you think of kind of some of the some of the casting? I mean, did they get it right? Yeah, I mean it's fine casting. Like I can't like think that anyone else would have done anything better. I can't think that anyone else would have done any worse. Um, it's you know they got two heartthrobs from you know the late nineties, early noughties to get some bums on seats. They've got um, some some girlfriends uh, to go and see it with, and you know you've got some good looking women to get the men in as well. So I think they've kind of they've done they've done fine with that. I don't I don't think that anyone did a particularly amazing performance um, apart from my lovely Betty and Red, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> who I will who I will stand by forever. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's it's just a very kind of stereotypical casting to of that time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think yeah. I think the people who like stood out to me. I know, obviously, he is uh, <laughs> he's not having the best of times lately. But Alec Baldwin is doing like the best Alec Baldwin. Like he kind of has this oh, knack of yeah. coming into films and like just monologuing at people. <laughs> I, I was just instantly reminded of Glen Gary, Glen Ross with his like <laughs> coffees for closers speech. Yeah, like when he's like when, when he's kind of like going on at them and he's like. Listen to this phrase, gentlemen. He's like, and he kind of like says something in Chinese. He's like, that means I'm an American in Chinese. Oh God, That's yeah. what you're going to need to know. And it's like, it's like, because you're not flying back to the US, you're flying to China. And he's like, he kind of like, he, he just has these moments. I was like, I thought when we got the first one, obviously, where he's like, you're a couple of hot shots up there. What the, what the hell do you think you're doing in those planes? I was like, is this all we're going to get of Alec Baldwin? I'd, I'd, be, I'd be happy with that. Uh, yeah. but then when he came back like yeah despite obviously killing someone 
I was I was pleased to see him in this film. I, I don't know I don't know what that says about me, like, but just uh... <laughs> no, like Alec Baldwin in the in the last kind of hour fifty minutes, it's just he's just got these weird one liners. Like it feels like it's a completely different movie yeah. the last kind of hour. Like it's these weird comical one-liners that Alec Baldwin just throws out randomly. And it's like, what is going on here? Like, mm. I think, yeah, I think he did stand out quite a bit for me as well, actually. I think I kind of blocked him from my mind a little bit. Um, but like <laughs> looking back now, it's like, it's like, yeah. And, you know, Dan Aykroyd's in it as well, yeah. like, randomly. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd Whenever is... we see Dan Aykroyd, me and my partner in any uh, movies, we always quote like a really, a kind of obscure Space Jam quote. I'm just being like, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this <laughs> picture. <laughs> <laughs> like, constantly. <laughs> um yeah, and that was that was kind of a reaction from like a genuine reaction as well. Like, I didn't realize Dan Aykroyd was in this. What's going on? Yeah, playing some <laughs> kind of like um like tra like uh inter like he intercepts like spy shit, doesn't he? Like kind of spy coding and stuff like that. He's kind of like listening in, like <laughs> yeah. working for the CIA or something. Yeah. He was like a surprise. I think like Tom Sizemore, like I didn't know he was in it, so it was a surprise, but at the same time, because of the type of film it is. I wasn't surprised. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. Like, like, kind of like, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's Tom Sizemore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's another piece of shit. Of course he's going to be in this film. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Bay's got his checklist. Like, yeah. like, who can I have on? He's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> like uh, a lot of them future pieces of shit, right? Like, so yeah, it's that yeah, thing yeah. of like, it's like, you know, he's like, just smell them out. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going to turn out to be a bad egg. Let's, let, come on, come yeah, on, boy. Have you on. Yeah, you're but, my kind of person. <laughs> I thought look, Michael Shannon as well, I thought it was like pretty great. Like, it's always great to see a, an actor who has gone on to be like massive kind of yeah, like in, yeah, in, in something like a bit smaller um trying to think i think kate beckinsale like does the best of what she's got right because i think she's got quite yeah. a thankless task with the character of evelyn because she's kind of a bit like she is like the ultimate anti Bechdel test character right like she's totally like <laughs> all she does is serve her, her male counterparts in the film <laughs> yeah definitely like yeah she's not an amazingly well-written female character um I don't think there's really any um in this movie particularly um all just care about the men um the that they're surrounded by but you know yeah she did she did the best with the the hand that she was dealt with really um yeah so, no lib tyler but she's all right yeah yeah I, did, yeah I, I think the film in my in my in my imagination with Liv tyler there because i don't know i think Liv tyler just has a natural like bolshiness to her i'm not sure if it's yeah. the, the fact that like a dad's the lead singer of Aerosmith, so she's like, "Fuck yeah, I'll fucking take on anyone." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I always think, like, I don't know if uh, if she was in this, maybe would have we would have got an absolute Aerosmith banger. Like, uh, oh, I don't yes. want to miss a thing. <laughs> Definitely. Or yeah, they would have just pulled that one back. Harbor, yeah, they would have just been like, "Fuck it, we're, we're needle dropping that again." It worked in that <laughs> yeah. movie. It'll work in this too. Yeah. <laughs> and this was like the round about the time as well, where like every other movie seemed to have like a song that went along with the movie, right? Like, yes, you know, it was a, a perfect time in during like our childhoods where there would be like a rap 
at the end of the movie <laughs> or or a rock song and it would be kind of kind of related to the film or it'd be literally them just singing the plot um and it's a shame we didn't have this for Pearl Harbor like well, <laughs> it, some kind of romantic ballad <laughs> it was it was um nominated for best original song for the oh. for the song uh there you'll be which I imagine is probably over the credits but like I'm not sure about you but as soon as like it went to black at the end I was like Boom. See you later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I've had three I was hours like, it's this. gone midnight. Like, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Like, I'm not watching the credits. A film by Michael Bay. That's all I need to know. I maybe had like the couple of first piano chords and went, yep, see ya. See ya, Diane. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Definitely. Sorry, Diane Warren. Um, well, I'm sorry if there's any fans of the original song out there that are like fuming at me right now for being like, there wasn't a song to go along with this movie. I apologize. <laughs> well, there is a song that came out off the back of this movie uh, i'm not sure if you've ever seen uh, team america world police but that has a song in it called uh the end of an act which uh the chorus for that song is uh, uh pearl harbor sucked uh but i still miss you and uh basically kind of points out all of the the flaws within within this film which is uh, an absolute i peach. haven't seen team america in so long so <laughs> i'm due a rewatch definitely <laughs> so w w one of some of the lines from one of the verses is i need you like ben affleck needs acting school he was terrible in that film i need you like <laughs> cuba gooding needed a bigger part he's way better than ben affleck now all i can think about is your smile and that shitty movie too, Pearl Harbor sucked, and I miss you. <laughs> I mean, that just sums it up perfectly. Yeah, right? <laughs> maybe this episode should have just been like me getting a a, a strike. Do you know what I mean, of just releasing this, that song as the uh, <laughs> as <Yeah>. the episode. <laughs> that should have been my synopsis. It's just, that. <laughs> just a really worthy heartfelt reading of those lyrics really pose yeah. straight face <laughs> um we were just discussing yeah obviously the best original song nomination this film was also nominated for best sound best sound editing and best visual effects it actually won best sound editing do you think that's like a a worthy win for this film what did you think um I mean, I guess it kind of depends what it was up against, really, um, during that time. But you know, yeah, um, I don't. There was there was some good explosion noises. Um, they do that well. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Sure, why not? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, that, that is, I watched this film on headphones, and I did like. Yeah, during that battle sequence, and I think it is the thing with um the academy like the academy awards is i don't think they know what to do with like because this was when it was best sound editing and best sound obviously i think now they've kind of like rolled them together and i don't think they fucking know what they're actually voting on there they just kind of just go yeah. like best sound oh i don't know like that that had music in it it's like well it's not fucking music is it like it's not yeah. it's not what it's yeah. about like so yeah this <laughs> This was up against one other film, so very weird that there was. So it was this or Monsters Inc. So right. I guess oh my god! Yeah. Okay. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's true. I mean, yeah, fine. Pearl Harbor can have this, and I'm sure Monsters Inc. won a way more deserving reward than sound editing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that the the early 2000s were an interesting time for kind of like war films. Like, what what's your kind of like feelings towards war films in general, Alice? I I enjoy a war film. Like, I've I've seen quite a few and. You know, they, they're always, I mean, it's changing a bit now, but back then and, um, and up until fairly recently, really, it's always like the, either the English or the Americans are the good guys and they did no wrong. And, you know, the baddies are, you know, the Germans or the Russians or whatever. And there's never a kind of counter side to it. And it's really nice to see now there is a kind of a different storytelling of war movies, like All Quiet on the Western Front was incredible. Um, it's a side of, well, particularly for for me anyway, a side of, uh, well, it's World War One, isn't it? World War One that um, I haven't, we haven't seen before. It's a story that we haven't been told through a kind of a German perspective. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're they're fine. They're not ones that I would always go mm. to. Like, oh, I really want to watch a watch war a war film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right now, it's like so many people always say to me, like, you need to watch Come and See, and I'm like, I'm sure I do, but it very much feels like eating like like ten plates full of vegetables for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's definitely. harrowing and like really important cinema, but at the yeah. same time, it's like. I don't like people say often say about that film like it's, it's it's the closest representation what it would like to be in war and it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna use my privilege right here I don't want to know what that feels like at times <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm like my mental yeah. health's not the best so I, I, I like, <laughs> I'm looking for escapism I'm looking for I'm looking for eighty sleaze like I'm looking for yeah Brian De Palma <laughs> movies like I'm looking for <laughs> I think the ones that I I enjoyed the most is probably like the Vietnam war based ones, because there's no way that America can look good in those because, <laughs> you know, they, they fucked up massively and they were the ones that were in the wrong. Um, and it's a war that, you know, they, they failed at. And so it's always a more of an interesting mm -hmm. kind of perspective, I think. Um, and, and I find those ones a lot more interesting than the kind of world war ones. Yes. Because, yeah yeah um, there's there's lots of films made by kind of pacifist directors in an interesting time in american cinema as well with like vietnam mm. movies where it's like 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 your apocalypse nows and your kind of uh platoons where it's like you got like you got oliver stone who was there and like yeah. knows how fucked up it was or it's people who are like looking in on it and going like we fucking sucked do you know what i mean you got like uh full metal jacket that kind of like felt like the kind of death nail of those films do you know what i mean like in yeah. that kind of big stretch through the 70s and 80s and it's like yeah it is great to kind of be like a perspective from a countryman of that country kind of shining a light on their own country and be like we don't we don't fucked up do you know what i mean like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah uh, definitely yeah it's, i think there's only I, i've got only so much appetite for of films where it's like great do you know what i mean like like this film like a kind of soaring 
hands him a score that like every moment is kind of telling you how to feel like how do you yeah, yeah. Did, 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 were you manipulated by Hans Zimmer in this film Alice I mean it's hard not to be manipulated <laughs> by Hans Zimmer isn't it like <laughs> he just he knows how to get you um and I mean like I didn't I probably not really like I mean the the whole the Pearl Harbor bit was I think it was just it was just over too quickly for me to get any kind of like emotional attachment to what was kind of happening. It all felt very quick. And even when you were seeing people, like there were some moments where people were drowning and stuck in the, um, in the vessels and you were a little bit like, Oh, that's sad. And it's like, Oh, quickly, let's just see what Josh Hartnett's doing now. And you're like, Oh, okay. Um, so I think you just weren't given enough time to get emotionally involved with and with the whole like Pearl Harbor bit, really. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it was just you would just get forced to be emotionally involved in this stupid relationship. Like, <laughs> who in this film do do you, do you wish like I don't know you could have like got in, invested in because. I, I found myself with the the journalist who's filming like when when yeah. Pearl was happening. I was like, oh, like <laughs> if I see anyone in a if I see anyone in this film that is me, it's that idiot. Do you know what I mean it's like, <laughs> like, yeah. like like nowadays some shit's kicking off? Like, oh, I got I got, I got my little portable recorder. Like <laughs> let's get in on this. Like, like this is what's going on. Like I'd, I'd be the podcasting equivalent of that guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of, I felt, I felt sorry for him. And but again, it didn't feel like we had like enough time with him. It was kind of, we see him occasionally film things and then it was like, oh, now he's dead. And you're like, oh, okay. Like I wanted like maybe a little bit more with him to kind Mm -hmm. of get that kind of emotional connection and feel kind of sad if he died. Um, Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we've kind of been, I don't know, I'd say, middling on this film what are some of the moments before we start to wrap up that you enjoyed about this film what are the things that you really liked if any if any um i mean the the action sequences were good and i did quite enjoy the first when uh rafe is in england and he's fighting the jets um and that whole moment was pretty good and it was quite it was quite tense when you know when he falls into the water and you're like this is horrific I can't imagine this happening Mm -hmm. to me like this just must be a horrible thing to just be like well I'm gonna die (laughs) this Mm. is it (laughs) um I think that was that was a kind of a, a standout moment for me maybe that was when I kind of got a little bit emotionally invested um but I mean, it was just, it's just a fine movie. It's yes. difficult to kind of like pick anything out that was like, like, oh, this bit was like, was really, really good. Cause it's just like the whole way through, you're just like, yeah, yeah. Like, this is, <laughs> this, this is, is a the- Michael Bay movie. So yeah. okay. Like- <laughs> More than anything of like going like, that's visually interesting. And I guess some of this cut w- would come down to John Schwartzman as well. Cause up until this point was kind of like, and I guess whichever way you fall down on it, like is either to to thank or to blame for the Michael Bay style, because he was the cinematographer on The Rock, Armageddon, yeah. and Pearl Harbor. So like he had a kind of hand in 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 that visual style. But there are shots in this, and I found myself watching it instead of going, 
they are obviously technically amazing shots, but they are also like, it's a Michael Bay shot right now. And like, or like kind of like <laughs> yeah, yeah. shots he loves to go back to. And you get them in Armageddon, you get them in this. It's like the ordinary people as shit's about to go down. Do you know what I mean? Like in this, oh, yeah. you kind of get like kids playing in like baseball and they're like looking <laughs> up into the sky or yeah. you get like little girls with fairy wings and stuff like that. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's all this kind of like, Huey lens and stuff like that and it is yeah. all old school Americana and like blowing do you know what I mean it's, it's cornfields blowing in the wind and yeah. there's lots of uses of yellow in this film there's this kind of so like much yellow yeah, yeah and like lots of low shots as well like looking up like that's again in like it's in bad boys yes. it's in Armageddon it's in like every I think, all the Transformer movies probably. Like. Yeah, not normally in Transformer movies, it's a low shot looking up someone's arsehole, essentially. <laughs> yeah. A female character's like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't need to see. I don't need to see Megan Fox's arsehole. Thank you, Michael. But um, yeah. And I think there's even a use of when Rafe is waiting for Evelyn to like finish at the hospital when he goes with the bottle of champagne, there's like a Dutch angle shot of like a, a low Dutch angle shot of the stairs. I'm like, what the fuck was that? What the fuck were you guys thinking? Like, do you know what I mean? yeah. like, like I can imagine John Swartzman. They'd be like, are you sure, Michael? I could tilt that camera, boy. Like, do you know what I mean? like over <laughs> yeah. the shoulder. Like, and I don't, I've heard stories of Michael Bay that apparently, if you're not doing what he wants to do with the camera, he he is the type of guy. One, because he knows how to do it, and two, because he is. The, this asshole will just kind of like push you out of the way and be like, "I'll fucking film it then." If you're not oh, going to wow, do yeah. it, yeah, <laughs> does not surprise me at all. <laughs> uh, I love to think that he was he was the one flying the drones for uh, ambulance as well. Like, no, this is how I want <laughs> yeah. the drone to go. I want it to go up this building, up, 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 up Jake Gyllenhaal's ass. Like, well, fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Amazing. Well, yeah, that, that is there is there any other points that we've missed that you feel like could need to be talked about with this film, Alice? I don't think so. I think that even though it's three hours long, there's not a whole sub lot of substance to this movie. No. So I think we've we've got it all really, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I think what what one other thing I liked is you could look at this as like top gun year one, especially when we get to that <laughs> sequence where they're stripping out the planes and they're going like this is going to be the first time a plane has ever taken off from like one of the naval ships. And I was like, oh, you get all of that shit in like the Top Gun movies. And like yeah. in Top Gun Maverick, you get like the landing on like yeah. one of the naval ships. And you see that kind of like, like uh, rubber band uh, <laughs> like thing they have to catch the planes. And I was like, yeah, this is like Top Gun. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's like two separate fucking movies. Like, that is the thing. This yeah. is two, this is two films. This is two films sandwiched together to like, the, uh, I guess eventually is lesser than the sum of its parts, right? In that it's, it, it falls short on the romance stuff because it wants to do the action stuff. It falls short on the action stuff because it wants to do the romance stuff. So like, yeah. I think it's, he wants to have his cake and eat it. And at the end of, end of the day, we end up with shit on our faces. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> from one of those low camera angles up someone's ass. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So one of the things we like to do on this podcast as we wrap things up 
He's looked for Coppola connections within the film. So is there anyone in front of or behind the camera who has worked with the Coppolas elsewhere in their filmography? Could you find any, Alice? Uh, I mean, uh, it is quite an obvious one that I thought of, um, but Josh Hartnett's in Virgin Suicides. Oh, Trip Fontaine. Um, oh, he has my heart. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I didn't find any others. Well, I, I, I just, yeah, I didn't, um, look up for any others. I was like, I know that one. There you go. That. That's I, the answer to that. <laughs> I will rattle off a few that like, I don't know. I, I sometimes find that, that like having this section a thankless task for myself, because it normally it means just scrolling through people's IMDBs endlessly. And <laughs> yeah. It's not a lot of fun. And I imagine not a lot of fun for the listeners, but these are the ones that came to me just off the top of my head. So Ben Affleck is Armageddon, which John Schwartzman oh, yeah? was the cinematographer on. John Voigt is in The Rainmaker, which is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. A National Treasure, a National Treasure Book of Secrets, which Nicolas Cage is in. And he's mm-hmm. also going to be in Francis Ford Coppola's Megaropolis, which is currently wrapped filming. So it's going to be Ooh, okay. his next potentially final film. Um William Lee Thomas, who plays one of the army cadets, is in Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. And Tom Sizemore is in Bringing Out the Dead, which is, um, yeah, a Nicolas Cage starring film directed by Martin Scorsese. And a very tenuous one, Lily Sheen is the daughter of Kate Beckinsale and plays Nicolas Cage's daughter in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And if you've seen that Uh... film... She looks the spitting image. <laughs> yeah. <of her mom. laughs> well, that was that. I loved that film so much. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So, the way we rate films on this podcast, Alice, is we ask, what would be the perfect wine pairing for this film? The Coppolas love their wines. Francis just sold a bloody vineyard to fund his next movie. What wine would you pair with Pearl Harbor? So, it's got to be. Something that's easy to drink, not too complicated in its flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, probably something that will give you a horrible hangover <laughs> after just having like one glass or something. <laughs> so it's going to be like an Echo Falls or something like that. Like it, it's got to be something, something cheap, but everyone kind of likes. Yeah, a little, a little something for the mummies. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah wine mums. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking live, laugh, love mums. Like, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely one for the Huns. 100%. Uh, yes, please, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I think the obvious pick with this is is something like a like a Lambrini. But I think you've nailed it with the kind of like the go to kind of uh, yeah, like supermarket, like always on offer, always yeah. kind of. I don't know. It's a bastardized grape. Like, does it? Who fucking knows where it's from? It's a bit of Australia. It's a bit of Italy. We're throwing, <laughs> yeah. we're throwing a bit of whatever we, whatever we can get here. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Echo Falls like is 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 a great brand to throw out. And I don't know. I think I'm gonna go for a, for for a rosé just because there's a little bit, a little bit of little bit of blood in this film. But it's got yeah, definitely. It, it's it's more it's more uh, it's more focused on the on the sweetness than it is on yeah. the kind of the darkness of the film so yeah i was i was thinking of a rosé as i was uh when as i was um, thinking of what uh, wine to pair with it so yeah definitely a rosé yeah because i think i think a lot of like especially those bog standard like 
supermarket rosés. Then yeah. they're not really one or the other, like this film, really. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? They're kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's weirdly sickly sweet and it hasn't got the darkness around. Like what, you're almost drinking it going, what is this? Is this like diluted <laughs> squash? Like, is this like yeah. undiluted squash? Yeah. Like, yeah. The kind of the summer fruits echo falls, I think. Is, <laughs> that is it. <laughs> that uh, is this movie. <laughs> amazing. I, I, I really nearly stepped over this next question, uh, why I kind of stumbled as I was explaining the wine. But is this a top shelf, middle shelf or bottom shelf wine, a.k.a. is the film any good? <laughs> um, it, it's a bottom shelf wine, isn't it? Like it's... Uh... I can't. I can't say that it's an Echo Falls and then go. It's it's a top shelf. Why? <laughs> 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 that would say something about me, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's a bottom shelf for me, definitely. Yeah, I think I think it's like the top of the bottom shelf. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're not bending over for this, but you're also like, yeah, you can you can, and, and it's maybe on a yellow sticker. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not dusting anything off or, or anything like that. Like oh, if this is a restaurant wine, you're not turning over the, the page on the menu. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, you, you, yeah. Your front page, your house, your house wine in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So based on Pearl Harbor alone and Robert and John Swartzman's uh, contributions to this film. Are they the greatest film family of all time, Alice? Um, well, unfortunately, not based on Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that question is evil, but I love asking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't say they are. If it, it was based, based on this film solely, as the rules are, no. <laughs> what what, what do you think of his work, though, in this film? Do you think he, like... Is, is, is it good it's it, it, like it's serviceable right i think that is the... yeah he he does the job for what the movie what's needed for the movie right it's it's fine he he does the job well he gets those low shots in he gets he makes sure that we can see those sparks uh and you know <laughs> i guess that's the he, the, the he job of okay a, job the job of a dop like somewhat is to just service the vision of the director right like there's, yeah. there's not that many rock star dops like i guess most <laughs> yeah. people who they think of is like roger deakins but then he's just so good because he does manage to just service the directors and kind of make them a bit better <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah whereas so, yeah, you know yeah yeah <laughs> john swartzman very much the kind of i don't know a journeyman cinematographer just kind of yeah really fits the brief of what people want and yeah it's i'm knocking for that it's got it's yeah got, exactly it's got good CV. he knows how to make his summer blockbusters and you know fair enough like. <laughs> yeah and he, yeah and he also knows how to make his uh Oh, yeah, he also knows knows how to make his John Lee Hancock films as well. He's, yeah, he's all over the place. He's got an interesting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got an interesting CV. So um, <laughs> let me ask you two more questions before I let you go, Alice. Okay. The first one being, which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the collective filmographies of the rest of the family. Um, I'm going to have to go with my girl Sophia Coppola, really. Oh, um. Yes, please. Um, yeah, I guess this hasn't really been talked about on the podcast. Maybe only briefly 
when we recently talked about uh, her daughter's uh, viral TikTok and the fact yeah. that she's making a Priscilla Presley movie. Is this something that you're excited for? Like, is, do you know anything about this film? Or like... I, I don't know anything about it actually, but I think it'd be I think it'd be an interesting one to kind of hear about. Like, I haven't watched the Elvis movie yet, so um, maybe I'll just skip that and go straight on to Priscilla. Um, but I think I think that she would do a, a really good job at it of it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like I. I have a tough relationship with Francis Ford Coppola because I, I he does drag out his movies and I I do struggle with uh, with mm-hmm. long old movies, um, so I think he's kind of he's been put in my bad books since having to write an essay on the conversation. So I think I'm like I'm triggered by him <laughs> now. I'm like no, not that. I, I, I like that you've held this hot take for the end. Like I, I, I like it. I, I like know. It. I like, yeah. uh, 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 don't worry. I'm not, this is this isn't me. Were you scared that I'd like boot you off the podcast? I'm I'm, I'm, all, I'm all here for for Francis Ford Coppola uh, slander. I'm a, I'm an I, 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 I'm I'm a I'm a biased, impartial voice. If that if that makes any sense whatsoever, it's a, it's a, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I'm kind of like I'm biased as well. I'm not like a hundred percent against him, but I think that like Sofia Coppola has done movies that I would turn to a little bit more rather than Francis. Yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah. Yeah, Sofia's got such a great track record of films and kind of has such a, I don't know, unique voice and managed to capture some great things in her, her films. And all of them are just massively kind of, I don't know, feminine focused and kind of manages to like shine a light and make make films that up and, I don't know, like a lot of the times don't get made about women in in that way do you know what i mean like the, yeah they're the kind of like serious films like do you know what I mean? virgin suicide's a perfect example a film that kind of yeah. like up until that point it's like i don't know you got a lot of those serious teen films for boys you know i mean francis mm-hmm. Ford coppola did it with the outsiders and then she kind of yeah was like, what, why is nobody making this for teenage girls we're not all just like we don't just want rom-coms and kind of like fluffy eye candy we want a little bit of that that's why we'll give you trip fontaine but we also want to talk about (laughs) depression in teens (laughs) definitely yeah and so i think that's why also you know i'm quite intrigued with uh presley movie i think that she could do a, a good job of it and take a have a really interesting take on it amazing and uh it's amazing that sophia is your choice because it leads me perfectly onto my final question and arguably the most important question of this podcast which is what does bill murray say to scarlett johansson at the end of lost in translation see i i haven't seen lost translation in such a long time so i had to like really like dig deep in my memory for like for this particular scene and i just had to come up with something that is probably not very profound um at all <laughs> um and just because i had um pearl harbor on the mind um and i just said that like betty shouldn't have died 
<laughs> Perfect. I'm so caught up about Bessie. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But but like justice for hashtag justice for Betty. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Betty and red forever. I I will find my nearest oak tree and carve it. <laughs> yeah. Carve it upon upon the upon the it's bark. Going to be tree. my next tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, like an old school sailor tat. Really, really <laughs> yeah. keeping vibes with the film. I love it. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, where's the best place for people to keep up to date with yourself and everything you're doing? Uh, Drunken horror. So you can find me on uh, Twitter at a Boyd Leslie. You can find Drunken Horror on Twitter and Instagram at Drunken Horror, um, and that's where we'll keep. Um, you all updated we've got some fun things coming up we've got um we've just released a line of merch and we've got a patreon coming very soon um we've got some fun guests coming up to um chat about movies we're doing a whole wide range of different kinds of horror movies we're going musicals we're going gateway horror and we're going to like uh torture porn so we're going all around I love the, it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> the horror uh, world so um catch us there yeah I've, I've been listening to your podcast for a while and I, I really i really do love the kind of dynamic the three of you have that kind of like <laughs> Thank it, it, you. It, it really kind of like it's it's really great i love i think that's what most a lot of people go for podcasts for right they're kind of like the subject matter is 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 the entry point and then it's like oh you kind of you you're, you're like the the fourth or fifth sometimes in a conversation where where, where you get <laughs> yeah. to be passive and kind of sit there and maybe maybe to yourself be like oh i'd, lo- I'd, lo- I'd love to say this or like oh, i hope they <laughs> me- i hope they mentioned this little this little nerdy fact i know about this movie yeah. i really get that yeah. listening to your pod that's amazing because that's exactly the kind of vibes that we we want to have. We want it to feel like you're just you're just sitting with us having a having a conversation. So it's good to hear. <laughs> uh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming and making some copula connections with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Again, a massive thank you to Alice for joining me for this conversation. It was tons of fun and I'm sure you will agree. A massive thank you to you as well for listening. It's always an absolute delight. You stick around for the end. You, you listen to the whole thing. If you listen to the whole thing, thank you even more so. You're, you're the real ones. You're the, you're the, you're the ultras, the, the killers, the absolute dog darn dastardly bad men. I love you all, all women, or non-binary, whoever you are. I love you regardless. Um, and I'll love you irregardless if you have a differing opinion on this film. This is your favorite film, and you feel that me and Alice gave it a bit of short shrift. Then don't hesitate to get in touch, and you can do so at Caged In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox, and TikTok. Or you can drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail dot com i'd love to hear from you i'd love to hear your opinions on films i'd love to hear what you'd like me to cover recently on twitter somebody said hey sophia coppola's daughter had a viral tiktok this surely needs to be covered on your podcast and you know what 
I roped in my good old friend Claire Ellen Hope and we covered it. You can listen to that. That would be the last thing on your feed from last Thursday at time of uh, release. So yeah, just just the next episode down, listen to that. It was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, I'm happy to go down these weird tangents and areas that people want me to go down. I want to be the kind of all-encompassing Coppola fountain of knowledge podcast that you just cannot escape if you want to know anything about the coppola family this should be your one-stop shop not only did we talk about that viral tweet in that episode we also talked about the trailer for wes anderson's new film asteroid city which is very exciting for me because it looks like our boy jason schwartzman is the lead in that movie or if not a significant part of it which is very differing from his last outing with Wes Anderson in the French Dispatch, where he had a cameo role at best. As for next week on the pod, guys, I've got a, a, a great episode planned for you. Should I tell you what the film is? Should I not? I'll tell you what it is. It's Stigmata. I've got a fantastic guest lined up for it. That you'll hear all about next week. But yeah, we're doing a very Eastery special with Stigmata, the 1999, I believe, Patricia Arquette movie. So watch that in the next week. Get ready for it. And then after that, we're we're going some fun territory with the podcast for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, keep your ears open for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you'd like to support this dear old podcast, you can do so by heading on to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod where you can give us a little bit of cash and it will make me very grateful and you get some fun stuff in return very soon you'll be able to hear a a regular series between myself will chitch a regular kind of contributor to the podcast where we will be talking about the films produced by albert s ruddy uh, in a series we're calling ruddy hell which will be a lot of fun and tangentially linked to the Coppola family because he was one of the key producers on The Godfather and has a kind of fun and interesting career all by himself. So, yeah, we thought we'd do that. We have some other fun stuff planned once that is done. Also, if you want to get, if you want, if you want to, if you want to spend cash, get something in return. You can head on over to our T Public or Etsy store where you can grab a lovely caged-in t-shirt. So up on Etsy at the moment, we have a couple of Mandy designs. Up on Tee Public, we have uh, three Mandy-inspired designs and one Wicker Man-inspired design, the old t-shirt that would have been released like a year or so ago. So yeah, head on over to those, those and support the podcast in that way. And show people that you love the podcast by wearing it upon your chest or on a mug or whatever and it probably offers a, a vast variety of things and the etsy store is the perfect place for for british listeners especially because the shipping fees are far lower than they are with t public so head on over to there to get all of that good stuff or if you don't want to impart with any money whatsoever you can support this podcast by heading over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to this right now and give it a five-star rating. And if you can leave a review, and I implore that you do, please let me know what you think Bill Murray says to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost 
in translation. So as ever, guys, I've been Petrus Patsilovis, your guide through the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. Remember, keep it caged in, and I'll catch you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, a Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.